The 2023 Emmy nominations came out recently, and uh, let's just say they're continuing to prove that networking means a whole lot more than actual quality. With some really unserious nominations and some obvious snubs, this year's Emmys is shaping up to be another year of awards that no one genuinely cares about. I'm Harry, and this is Trash Talk Reverse. Welcome to Trash Talk Reverse, where I trash talk the TV industry, or I do the reverse. The nominations for the Emmys were announced in July, and it's partly what I expected and partly disappointing. But before I get into the nominations themselves, I want to talk briefly about four big Emmy shows that just had their series finales this spring. These shows are The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Ted Lasso, Barry, and Succession. The first three all garnered nominations under the comedy category, while Succession is classified as a drama. First of all, if anyone deserves to win Best Comedy, it should be Maisel by a huge landslide. If you don't know, it's a show about a woman who, despite expectations of women in the 1950s, attempts to become a female comic. This show was groundbreaking in so many different ways with its sharp writing and long-take cinematography, its examination of how patriarchy negatively impacts everyone, its grand directorial style and production design, and while the final season doesn't measure up to seasons 1 through 3, it was still a great finale to the show. It was originally supposed to have 6 seasons, but Amazon cut them off at 5. They still managed to wrap things up, and honestly, stretching it out to six would have been too much. Season four already felt like it was dragging a bit, so it would have been disappointing to see this one do the same. Seeing not only the conclusion to Midge's journey from dumped wife and accidental comic to her big break, but also snippets of what came after was really cool and very well done. I particularly love the moment in the season where her father finally realizes his role in raising a daughter under the patriarchy and how he personally felt responsible for the way Midge, unlike his son, never got the chance to really see what she could truly become because, as a woman, that just wasn't in the cards for her. I also like that the intersectionality continues. Most content that discusses patriarchy and feminism isn't intersectional, and I know it feels weird to applaud them for something that might seem bare minimum, but it's so important for shows to acknowledge and discuss it, and given the boatload of themes and storylines explored in this show, They've always acknowledged how Midge and Susie default to blaming the man under difficult situations. Like when Susie grows frustrated about her blackmail client James getting his big break before Midge, and her secretary Dinah, also black, has to point out to her that James worked extremely hard to get to where he is while Midge was slacking off in comparison. In season 4, I was even afraid for a sec that they were going to go a different way when the season started with Midge blaming a man for ruining her career. But later in the season, she realizes that man in question's blackness and queer identity essentially counteract any male privilege he may have otherwise had. Both seasons 4 and 5 were not perfect by any means, but it's still better than what a lot of other shows would call their best seasons. And Joel Maisel's development this entire show is so fantastic, like he needs to be the poster boy for men to get out from under the patriarchy and not only stop being assholes, but become extremely capable on their own and supportive of the women in their lives. Like seriously, a lot of men may not even want to watch this show because it's mainly about a woman, but trust me, you'll want to. Midge and Joel's relationship is so well told, I don't even mind that they don't officially get back together on screen since they're clearly still in each other's lives until the end. And to all the Lenny stands, y'all should be lucky for the fan service the writers gave you last season because he and Midge never should have been more than simply just friends and kindred spirits. At any rate, I'm glad the show ended on a strong note and while they haven't won Best Comedy since season 1, which is probably the single best season of so-called prestige comedy out there, I really hope they win this time. The next show of the four is the only one I haven't seen before, and it's Ted Lasso. This show has three seasons and won Best Comedy for both its previous seasons, and I know I haven't seen it, but I just can't do shows about sports unless it's an episode of Modern Family where Cameron Tucker's on the field. I can watch sports, but not shows about sports. Nothing about this show seems compelling. It's just about this football coach who gets recruited to become a soccer coach in England, and from the two episode summaries I could bear to read, it looks incredibly uninteresting. 
This show is what's called Blue Sky, which is a type of show where everyone's basically wholesome and idealistic and optimistic and problems aren't really real problems and everything's a la di da. Some people who liked it at first criticized that it got ridiculously eye-roll worthy and too idealistic and had easily resolved conflicts. I don't think shows have to be cynical or dark, and I think problems can be silly if that's the point of the comedy or if it's entertaining, but there's a way to be wholesome and positive that's not annoying. I don't know why Ted Lasso's been winning the past two years, but it definitely better not win this year. And honestly, who the hell has Apple TV anyway? Speaking of streaming services I don't have, HBO's Barry also came to an end this year. I actually watched the first two seasons when they came out, but the pandemic must have put a dent in their regularly scheduled programming, and eventually I forgot about it until I heard it ended, so I tried to start season three, and my god, was it always this boring? Like literally nothing was happening, and I can't say that I really care about any of the characters which is always unfortunate in a TV show, because you're going to be following those people for an entire season and the rest of the show. It's a show about a guy who tries to give up being a hitman and somehow finds his way into acting classes in LA. And though this was a vaguely interesting premise considering the guy's job required him to be apathetic at first and now he has to become empathetic to play characters, the plot is literally just so unnecessary. It's these comedies that try way too hard to be dramas also. Like why are we dealing with the Chechen Mafia, bruh? I don't want to see that. What even is the point of this show? Just Barry learning to be a good person and stop killing people and leave crime behind? Whatever the point, it's too caught up in ridiculous plotlines and they don't have characters that I personally give a damn about. I don't know that Barry's going to be much of a contender for the Emmys anyway, but more on that later. The last show of the four that just ended was Succession. I know the show got off to a rough start because it came out in 2018 and literally no one was talking about it till season 3 when it suddenly blew up. But see, at least HBO let it grow and find its audience. If this show was on Netflix, it would get cancelled five days after a season 1 drop. Though now, with the strikes, shows are getting cancelled left and right and even completed shows are being pulled from platforms so the studios won't have to pay anyone. I honestly did not want to watch Succession at all, but the premise of the media company convinced me to at least give it a shot. So I watched the first episode and it was literally so boring, I actually had to fast forward through parts of it. Like, I didn't care about any of the characters, I didn't care about the plot, there were no stakes, it's supposed to be a satirical dark comedy but there was no satire, no darkness, no comedy, so I just didn't get the appeal. And yet, I watched episode 2 anyway. And it still sucked. And yet, at the last moment, they showed their dad opening his eyes in the hospital, and so... I clicked episode 3. I actually got through two seasons and a couple episodes into season 3 pretty quickly, but trust me, it is so hard to get through, and I actually haven't touched it in like 4 or 5 months. These episodes could literally be cut in half and not lose any story or characterization. But I was intrigued by the plot and seeing how things would unfold, like the board vote and the senate hearing and obviously the succession of Logan Roy. That stuff isn't the boring part. The boring part is all the scenes of freaking nothing happening, which is like 50% of the show. They take so long to get through these scenes, and they spend so much time on Greg, like who cares about this guy? You could cut out almost all of his scenes and the show would be no different. There was a scene in episode 3 where Greg's listening to a required video on how the company doesn't have employee discrimination based on race, religion, gender, nationality, and basically goes on to list all these things as a massive train of older white men are walking out from a meeting. And I thought, damn, that's the sort of commentary I signed up to watch in this show. They do have a few other comedic moments in the show, like y'all know that meme of Roman staring at the emails on his computer? But I wish the satire overall was stronger. The problem is they waste so much time on useless crap and keep all the important stuff shrouded in mystery so you feel compelled to keep watching even though you're not having a good time. It took until episodes 5 and 6 of the first season, but mostly 6, for the good stuff to happen. The entire vote of no confidence scene had me on edge the entire time, like that's some good freaking television. Can you believe how much of a villain Logan Roy has to be for me to side with Kendall when I hate his ass? But if only they cut out all the useless crap, this would have happened way earlier. Wasted my time with all the horrible ass writing and boring pointless mess on the first several episodes, and half of this episode too. Like I give a crap what Shiv is up to in DC. 
This show feels very much like a Game of Thrones type show where everyone only keeps watching just to see who ends up on the throne and to see the White Walkers go down. Like the way we're working up to see which sibling's going to replace their father as CEO, aka the title of succession, and to see Logan Roy go down. And I feel like they're forcing themselves to fill the space of their allotted 10 episodes per season by adding all this external crap that not only no one cares about, but also isn't very well executed. Like three travel montages per episode of Cars just going somewhere over the musical score. Or every time I see Kendall with some girl or his ex-wife, I'm like, skip. One of the reasons I'm actually so hesitant to finish the show is because it feels like they're setting it up for it to be Kendall, because the show so far is trying really hard to make him look like this super amazing, rootable, tragic hero who deserves to win it type of guy. And if he ends up as successor, that would just piss me off. Honestly, none of the siblings are fit to be successor anyway. But regardless, this show is definitely going to win Best Drama. It just has the clout and the hype, and it just ended, and it's good enough to edge out all the other nominees. So now, let's get into those nominations. Best Drama Series has Andor, Better Call Saul, The Crown, House of the Dragon, The Last of Us, Succession, White Lotus, and Yellow Jackets. So Andor is the only critically acclaimed Star Wars live-action show, and though I haven't seen it, I don't think it would fare well anyway because franchise IP-type shows rarely get recognized in the first place, much less win. Better Call Saul is never getting out of Breaking Bad's shadow, honestly. I tried to watch this show when it first came out and then a couple years later, but it was so boring I could never get past the first two or three episodes. It just ended last year, but I really don't think it can compete. Haven't seen House of the Dragon, which is the Game of Thrones prequel, but I really don't think it's going to win Best Drama in its first season. As popular as this show is, I feel like the world of Game of Thrones has overstayed its welcome by like eight seasons of television, but that's a discussion for another day. Last of Us performed really well critically and commercially, but it's another first season, and those rarely win when they're up against shows in their final season. Haven't seen it because I don't care about zombies, but I know it's based off a popular video game. Next, The White Lotus. Honestly, the first season was so boring and devoid of any decent execution, I didn't even bother to watch the new one. All I know is that the characters were basically naked for half of it, so if that's your thing. Also, the commentary on this show is really shallow, like they vaguely set up their premise, and then it's just half-assed in favor of some tropical sex and death vibes, I guess? The Crown is another show I never watched, despite the fact that my favorite show of all time is about how a half-Viking, half-Saxon helped the Saxon kings in the 9th century fight off the Vikings to form England. I just have no interest in Queen Elizabeth II. And I don't really know too much about the show Yellow Jackets, except it has something to do with a school trip who got lost, and somebody had to eat somebody else, I think. Now on to the best comedy. We got Abbott Elementary, Barry, The Bear, Jury Duty, Marvelous Mrs. Maisel, Only Murders in the Building, Ted Lasso, and Wednesday. First of all, Wednesday? Is this a joke? Like, y'all cannot be serious. Someone must have paid heavily to get that show any nominations outside of directing and production. Like, come on now. The writing was horrendous, barely redeemed by the little pilgrim backstory they had going on, but everything else was so mediocre, and if not for the mystery and the intriguing environment of the school, I honestly wouldn't have kept watching. And even that stuff was not written very well. Only Murder Season 2 honestly has no business being nominated here either. Seasons 1 and 2 were interesting enough, but I think they honestly missed their full potential. I like that part of what the show did, especially in season two, was criticize the negative side of true crime podcasting and the sensationalism that goes along with it. But I just think that season one could have at least been less boring, and that season two didn't need to cram in so many random plot elements to the mystery. And while the characters had fairly interesting backstories and some comedic moments, it just felt underwhelming for the type of show it wanted to be. However, they really seem to have found their groove with season three. It doesn't feel as drawn out as season one or as sprawling as season two, and the character development is much better tied in with the investigation stuff. Next, The Bear. I know people love this show, but I genuinely cannot understand why. I've read some of the scripts for season two, and I could not be more bored out of my mind. When I want to watch a restaurant show, I watch Hell's Kitchen, which is some fabulous entertainment, depending on the season, featuring really good-looking food. And even though it's a competition on a soundstage, it's still probably more accurate about food service and more intense than some people in a deli where they try to make things seem more important than they actually are. I mean, why does this show read like a drama? 
where's the comedy? Maybe people just like the actors a lot, or maybe they just really want this damn restaurant to succeed. But all this hype just doesn't add up for me. Then there's Abbott Elementary. I honestly can't remember the last time a network TV show from a non-cable channel got this much attention since streaming became prominent. I haven't watched more than a few episodes of this show because though it seems like a cute family-friendly comedy and it's got the interesting public school setting, it's personally not my type of show and I have to be in the mood to watch it. But I can still see why people love it so much. Barry I honestly can't see winning at all, but Bill Hader's clout plus the fact that this show was just in its last season might give it that edge. Also, I don't even know what jury duty is and you already know how I feel about Ted Lasso, so let's go Maisel. Best limited series nominees were Beef, The Dahmer Show, Daisy Jones and the Six, Fleischman is in Trouble, and Obi-Wan Kenobi. Kenobi's not winning for the same reason Andor's not winning, but also I waited for this show for probably years if not a decade. And Clone Wars era of Star Wars has always been the only Star Wars era I can really stomach if you ignore the prequel movies. And Obi-Wan was always my favorite character, but I tried to watch this show and I just wasn't gagged. As for Fleischman, I've read some of the scripts of that show and it's literally a yawn fest. This couple's going through a divorce and it's just the boring fallout of that. I feel like literally no one has seen or liked this show, so FX's teams must have been working overtime on the Emmy campaign for the past year. And honestly, what a waste of Jesse Eisenberg and Lizzie Kaplan's talents. Then there's Dahmer, which should not have been nominated in the first place, and in fact, it shouldn't even have been made in the first place. But I guess Ryan Murphy gets to do whatever he wants in Hollywood, even if that means making garbage year in, year out. I mean, y'all know how I feel about this kind of entertainment content. Like, why are we nominating the people who went against the wishes of the families of the murder victims and made this show anyway just for the views and sensationalism? Seriously, if this one wins just because it's probably the most talked about show on the list, then I'll be so done. I have heard good things about Beef and Daisy Jones, and though I couldn't tell you what either of those shows is about, those two do seem like frontrunners compared to the other nominees. Nominees for lead actor in a drama series features three actors from Succession, so it's definitely going to be one of them. And though I haven't seen the last season, I think the entire show, as well as most of the press and campaigning, has been for Jeremy Strong, who plays Kendall. So I won't be surprised if he wins. For lead actress in a drama, I'm pretty sure Sarah Snook will win for Succession. Aside from doing a great job in that role, I think the Emmys will probably want to create a drama sweep for Succession because people always talk about award show sweeps, and it's definitely the most hyped or talked about show this past year. Elizabeth Moss is also nominated for Handmaid's Tale, but I don't think she'll win until its final season, depending on the competition. I am surprised Imelda Staunton didn't get a nomination for The Crown for playing Queen Elizabeth, for a show that's been constantly nominated in many categories every season to suddenly only have a nomination just for Best Drama and Best Supporting Actress is really unexpected. For lead actor for comedy, Jeremy Allen White is probably going to take it for The Bear. Also nominated is Martin Short for Only Murders, though not his co-star Steve Martin, so not sure what happened there since they were both nominated last year. Lead actress for comedy is Wednesday, which kind of feels out of place because while I think Jenna Ortega did do a good job, this particular role didn't really involve much. I think Quinta Brunson's good in Abbott, but this year it's got to be Rachel Brosnahan for Maisel. I really can't see it going to anyone else. She was so iconic as Midge Maisel, she played a very colorful character at a wide berth of emotions, and she seriously did such a fantastic job. Lead actor for limited series or movie better not be freaking Dahmer. Free Evan Peters from Ryan Murphy, honestly. He should not win for portraying such a horrible inhuman piece of garbage in a show that never should have been made. There's a fine line when it comes to nominating actors for playing horrible people, and I feel like this one crosses it. Steven Yeun is probably a top contender for beef, and he's been in the award circuit before, but who I really want to see win is Daniel Radcliffe for Weird, the Al Yankovic story, because this guy seriously needs to get his flowers. The movie itself is super fun and a great parody of Oscar bait biopics, and Daniel Radcliffe is fantastic as Weird Al. 
This is an actor who already made his cash from being Harry Potter and now just goes for stuff he likes and cares about rather than stuff that'll get him money or recognition or prestige. But it also just so happens that the movies he does are either way too indie or too mainstream or stuff where he's more of a supporting character. So he doesn't end up in the awards circuit. And while I'd love to see him get nominated for Miracle Workers, that show doesn't fit inside the narrow box of awards bait prestige television. He's really a very versatile actor across cinema, television, and stage, but this man just isn't getting his flowers. If I could retroactively get him an Oscar for playing Harry, if they had Emmys or Oscars for fully completed franchises, I would, but they don't. I think another reason he doesn't get looked at seriously as an awards contender is because he's attached to one of the biggest franchises ever. And not just attached, but was the main role, the title role. And the awards industry tends to look down upon actors like that, because they're not considered as serious as someone whose career stemmed from doing Oscar bait dramas every year. Lead actress for limited series or movie is another random mix with Fleischman, George and Tammy, Swarm, Tiny Beautiful Things, Daisy Jones, and Beef. Better not be Swarm for the same reasons as Dahmer. Like seriously, you do not need to award people for playing serial killers. I honestly don't care about supporting actor for comedy since they snubbed Maisel here, but for supporting actress, you already know what I'm about to say. Alex Borstein better win for playing Susie in Maisel, who's such a great character and she played her so well for five seasons. She really deserves it. Supporting actor for drama has four for Succession and four for White Lotus. That's it. That's the entire slate. Honestly don't care about Mid Lotus, and as for Succession, one of the nominated actors is a cast member I haven't been introduced to, so he's not a Succession supporting veteran like the others. It's hard to say who's going to win, but I think it's going to be between Alan Ruck, who plays Connor, and Matthew McFadden, who plays Tom, and more importantly, played Mr. Darcy in Pride and Prejudice 2005, and for that reason alone, deserves to win for an unrelated television performance. Supporting actress has five for White Lotus? Seriously? Y'all couldn't find any other actresses on any other shows? J. Smith Cameron was also nominated for Succession, and I think it'll probably come down to her and someone from White Lotus. There's such an overwhelming presence of White Lotus that it could be one of those five, but Succession Sweep is also imminent, so we'll see. Supporting actor and actress for limited series or movie, I mean, do y'all really care? Guest actor for comedy has Nathan Lane nominated again for Only Murders after winning last year, and though he was great, it'll never come close to his role of Pepper on Modern Family, which deserved a guest actor win also. Luke Kirby for Maisel was also nominated, and while he might have been a good option another year, this year his role just wasn't that significant and didn't have the impact that it did in other years. I wouldn't be mad if they gave it to Nathan Lane again because he did do a good job, but there are also two noms from The Bear, and they seem to be popular with the fans. Guest actress noms have three for Ted Lasso, so maybe one of them's gonna win, but there's also a decent chance for Quinta for SNL and Taraji P. Henson for Abbott. Quinta could have got the guest actress nom two years ago for Miracle Workers, cause I was surprised as hell when she showed up in season three. Guest actor and actress for drama is literally split between Last of Us and Succession, so there you go. At this point, I'ma be honest, I'm getting really bored, like, who cares? But we've made it this far, so let's finish it out. Wednesday was nominated for production design for contemporary rather than for period or fantasy, which is weird. But Maisel was nominated for the second one, and they should take it, because my god, they raised the bar for production design by so much, and it visually just looks amazing. Outstanding casting for comedy is probably going to go to The Bear or Abbott, but next year only Murders has a good chance, because season three has Meryl Streep, Paul Rudd, and Jesse Williams so far. Casting for drama is probably going to go to a show like Last of Us or White Lotus, which both have tons of nominees in the acting categories, but probably will lose all or most of them to Succession. So then it kind of makes sense to let them win this one. But of course, they could just give it to Succession again. Cinematography, don't care as long as Maisel wins for the one-hour category. Boston Strangler got nominated for Best Cinematography for the TV Movie category, which I didn't even know it could get nominated, but I guess now movies made for streaming count for the TV Movie category. It really does deserve to win for Best Cinematography, though, because it had fantastic cinematography. And honestly, 
I'm a little annoyed it wasn't nominated for Best Limited or TV Movie or Best Actress for Keira Knightley. I saw it was submitted for the ballot, so I guess the voters just weren't aware of it. Apparently, there's a category for Best Commercial. Um, skip. Best Period Costumes, I think, should go to either Maisel or The Great. Fantasy Sci-Fi Costumes, I think, is probably going to go to Lord of the Rings Ring of Power or House of the Dragon. I didn't even know the categories were split up like that. There's also Contemporary Costumes, which might go to Wednesday. Best Directing for Comedy should easily go to Maisel, which just blows everyone else out of the water with ease. Best Directing for Drama has nominated three episodes of Succession, so three guesses which show's gonna win. For music, turns out they don't even have a musical score for comedy section, and they never have, which is pretty weird, but there is Best Musical Supervision, and Maisel should really win that one. Also for Best Original Song, I sure hope it goes to Maisel for your personal trash can man, cause that whole number was funny. But the titles of the two nominated Ted Lasso songs look more serious, so one of those might win. Unfortunately, Maisel isn't nominated for Best Writing, which is a shame considering it would have easily wiped out the actual nominees. Succession will probably win for Best Drama Writing, and that's all the categories I'm going to cover because I'm boring myself to death. But we're not done yet because now it's time for The Snubs. As much as I've talked about Maisel this episode, I don't have the best feeling it's going to win its categories just because shows like The Bear and Ted Lasso have such heavy campaigning and networking going on, so Maisel might get snubbed from winning any or most of its categories. As for nomination snubs, the show I'm personally irritated about constantly getting snubbed is Hulu's The Great, which is the satire comedy about Catherine the Great and the Russian state in the 18th century, and it's very smart and funny and topically relevant to today. This show is just constantly getting snubbed, and the new season being its greatest so far, and Elle Fanning and Nicholas Holt not even getting noms for acting like they did last year, that's just ridiculous. This show easily outranks all the other comedies apart from Maisel, but maybe it's just too groundbreaking, you know? Like, there are shows that just don't get award show attention because they don't fit nicely within the Emmy's prestige box. Plus, this kind of proves that the Emmys, along with any other industry award shows, are mostly just about networking and campaigning and what platform it's on. It's really depressing, actually, because The Great also just got cancelled, along with a bunch of other stuff on Hulu, probably as a preemptive strike against the unions. Another snub I just don't really get is Dairy Girls. Now, apparently it won an International Emmy for Comedy, which, I'm gonna be honest, I didn't even know that International Emmys were a thing. And I'm just confused why Dairy wasn't submitted for the regular Emmys, because back in the day, I remember Sherlock received several nominations and wins at the regular Emmys. And that's a British BBC production, and Dairy is a UK production. So what makes a show eligible for one or the other? Squid Game, despite being a Korean show, was nominated for the regular Emmys because it made such a massive splash, but if it hadn't, would it have gone to the international Emmys? Either way, Dairy Girls deserves that more mainstream recognition. This is one of the few shows about teens, teen girls in particular, that is actually good, and it just so happens to be set in the political backdrop of the troubles of Northern Ireland without actually making it that much about the politics and just casually including it from time to time while focusing on the girls growing up in high school during that time period. I feel like the TV Academy doesn't really like to recognize shows where the main characters are teens or young adults, and they almost exclusively recognize only shows about adults. But to be fair, Hollywood doesn't really have good representation for teens anyway. Like who's gonna nominate Riverdale, you know? Or terrible teen shows like Pretty Little Liars and Gossip Girl from back in the day. Popular, but completely sensationalist trash. It's like you go from watching PBS Kids to watching that to then watching garbage-ass Euphoria, which, by the way, never has any business being nominated for the crapshoot that it is, and it's honestly a testament to Sam Levinson being an Epo baby that this show is acknowledged in award show circles at all. Dairy Girls doesn't qualify for the regular Emmys, but the ridiculous and inaccurate, horribly written, mature-rated teen show about a bunch of caricatures gets nominations in previous years, and Wednesday with its mediocre writing getting nominated this year? Even the shows about adults aren't nearly as good and funny as Dairy Girls, okay? Like, let's see Ted Lasso do better than that iconic dairy scene on the difference between Protestants and Catholics. It's like the Emmys can only pick shows from certain streamers and certain audience demographics and certain networks. 
Because otherwise, what's the reason none of the actors from Once Upon a Time ever got an Emmy nomination despite their phenomenal series-long performances of iconic and complex characters? Where were the writing nominations for season one? Where's James Spader's nomination for The Blacklist or any directing noms for that show? And the writing for the first few seasons was great. Even shows where the writing isn't necessarily fantastic throughout the entire season doesn't matter because writing nominations as well as directing nominations are for individual episodes. Why do we have these so-called prestige shows that get recognition regardless of quality but good shows don't get recognition if they're not on the right network or if they don't have the right connections? If you look at the PDF I've linked in the description, it's a list of all the shows that were submitted for the ballot last year. Just shows for the broad categories, not any episodes or creative personnel for specific categories. But still, it's a massive list. You're telling me Emmy voters basically have to sit down and pick 5-10 to shows from each massive category when they probably haven't seen more than a few shows total each year. That is the problem with these award systems. It all comes down to marketing and campaigning. Voters are going to pick the shows that sent them gift packages or kept popping up on their social media or got massive banners across their streaming platform of choice. So when Netflix refuses to market the best show ever made, aka The Last Kingdom, it ends up with no nominations for any of its five seasons plus the movie that came out this year. Shows that don't get promoted to audiences, much less to voters, are never going to get that awards recognition. And shows that come out on broadcasting rarely get recognized as well. Back in the day, Modern Family was collecting best comedy year after year, and suddenly it stopped after season five. Why? Who the hell knows? Maybe they decided broadcasting doesn't count as prestige. Speaking of ABC and Netflix, the last snub on my list is The Mole. It's a Netflix reboot of a reality show that was on ABC in the early 2000s, and it's unlike anything you've ever seen on TV. It doesn't have that fake relationship drama like all those ridiculous dating shows, and it's not boring and repetitive like most competition survival variety type shows. It's smart and innovative, and it easily edges out other reality shows by requiring both the viewers and contestants to be observant and smart and figure out who's the mole. But to be fair, who even cares about reality TV nominations anyway? Are Emmy nominations even important overall? Look, clearly doing this episode has bored me to death. But unfortunately, award shows are still a big deal whether we like it or not. I want shows to get attention because of quality, not network or fake prestige or heavy campaigning. And I want Emmy voters and audiences to start recognizing that quality and supporting shows that are genuinely good rather than gagging over mediocre crap just because they haven't seen the better shows or they don't look at shows that aren't made for prestige channels or they don't look at shows that are rated PG or TV-14 or shows that didn't send them presents. Like I said in the Triangle episode, the more we recognize good quality contents, the more of them we'll get. So unless we patch up things in the award circuit, we'll be stuck with that mediocrity and never raise the bar for just how good we could have it. Thanks for listening. And once again, this was Trash Talk Reverse. <laughs>